0: What are the kind of games you played as a kid? What kind of activities did you pursue as kids that might now be deemed dangerous? And they might be dangerous too, to be honest. The, the hill trolley running down into the creek in the public park was in fact a dangerous thing to do. But I want to get some perspective on this about how you used to play and how kids play today. one three hundred triple 720 is taught back i 'm expecting something fairly outrageous from you, so please provide it, or you can send a text message one double nine double two seven twenty. The reason i 'm asking you this question is that kids players become a bit more complicated these days, as you would imagine. You remember when those treated pine playgrounds, best known for splinters, were deemed unsafe and Now it looks as though the simple homemade swing is on the hit list. Robert and Sharon Owen had a tire swing out the front of their house in Leeming, and now the city of Melbourne. Has decided it's unsafe for the kids in the cul-de-sac regardless of the fact the swing has been there for almost a decade. Don't check your heads, listen and get involved. Robert Owen, good morning to you.
1: G'day Geoff, how are you?
0: Good thanks. First up Robert, did you put the swing out the front of the house?
1: I didn't actually, uh, it was friends of ours an elderly gentleman uh, put the tyre swing in. Uh, he uh, did it uh, very professionally it was, I wouldn't have it up. I wouldn't have had it in the tree if he hadn't have done it so professionally. and uh, it's been a meeting place for approximately 16 kids in the cul-de-sac for the last 10 years.
0: So nothing's changed. It hasn't in an era of handheld video games. It's, not, it's lost none of its appeal.
1: None of its appeal at all. Every weekend, you see the kids out there, even after school, uh, just under the tree, messing around with the swing, putting their dogs in the tire giving the dogs a bit of a swing, and just having generally a bit of good old-fashioned fun.
0: Any dogs being killed over the last no, 10 nothing. years?
1: nothing. And uh, all the pruning of the tree, I've actually done that. If I thought a bough wasn't safe or anything like that, I've pruned it. The tree's actually about 50 foot tall.
0: What kind of tree is it? Uh,
1: look, to be honest, I wouldn't know. I never it's a local it tree. Well, I never planted it there. Uh, you... I went away for holidays about uh, 10, 12 years ago. be longer than that. And... Uh, Came home and there was a tree there, and I've just watered and nurtured this tree, and it's absolutely magnificent.
0: And the swing was safe. Have you? Did you? Have you had a go yourself, look, Robert?
1: I'm 100 kilos, and when the council uh, came out, uh, I actually got on the swing and had a swing and said, "Look, I'm 100 kilos. If the bow's going to break, let it'll break now." The big... And I've looked at it every week. I mow the lawns. I look at the tree just a bit of pruning required here and there and I do it and I always check it and make sure it's safe.
0: Hey Robert, how did it come to the council's attention? How did think? it
1: come to the council's attention? Interesting, isn't it? The council in their wisdom apparently decided to have a meeting because uh, what I was told, my heart goes out to the family someone in the Melbourne City Council had an accident uh, on the council verge with a swing in a tree and their child died um, none of us are aware of this.
0: A long time ago? Didn't uh, you? Look
1: we don't even know. It's in the last 12 months, I believe. And uh, yet uh, my investigations, I can't find anything about that. Yeah. But my heart goes out to that of family course. if it's true.
0: Yeah. So, And um, so think... all of a
1: sudden the council and their wisdom decide to use the security service as their spies in the sky. Instead of using security properly uh, in the interest of the ratepayers, they decide they'll uh, go around and notate all the... Um, Oh, what would you call it? all All the swings.
0: Uh, Roger one. Uh, we found a swing outside exactly Robert's right. place. Uh, the next
1: minute I find out is that I have a council gentleman looking to take the swing out. There was no notification yeah. put on my front door. Oh, look, the council would like to speak to you about that.
0: That's stupid. Um,
1: it was just someone turned up one morning. I was at home. I walked out. And I thought, oh, what are you doing here? You know, no markings on the vehicle or anything. Yeah. Come take the tie down. Well, understandably, I got a bit hot under the collar. Yeah. Told him to go away. I said I'd contact the mayor. I didn't. I contacted uh, one of the business managers at the Melville City Council yeah. who had the decency to come out, yes. explain the situation, and that's where I heard about the death, et cetera, et cetera. Then, after about a half hour, three quarters of an hour conversation, where I invited him to swing on the tree as well.
0: Oh, fantastic. In conjunction
1: with me. Swing together. 170 kilos on that bow. He declined. But I did demonstrate it to him. We agreed to disagree. Yes. He said the council would come back to me regards to it. Some two months later, I'm at work, and this is only a couple of weeks ago. My wife rings me and said, Oh, the council's out there taking the tree, taking the um, tyre out of the tree. I said, What in the hell for? Yeah, you know, I thought the matter was closed. Yes. And anyway, my neighbour came across and got the copy of the council orders, and they call it a hot spot. task force comes out to remove it. Fantastic. And what I found interesting was the the two workers, when he spoke to them actually stopped, uh, rang the council. I don't think they could believe, you know, the issue, what they'd been sent out for. Uh, and then it took six of them to uh, stand around and take the tire out of the tree. Now, the tree had actually engulfed the chain over the years. Yes. It was still secure. There was no rot or anything. Yeah. And the way they butchered it, that bow probably have to come off in the end.
0: You're listening to Robert Owen, and we're talking about something that shouldn't matter, but it matters a hell of a lot now that we know that the city of Melville actually has a hotspot task force that goes out removing tyres that kids like to play in. Um, Robert, what's the kids' reaction
1: I think the kids were a bit upset about it. Not all the kids, you know, the older ones, they weren't too fussed about it, but uh, the young ones, and there's still about probably 10 young ones in the cul-de-sac. As I said, it's their central meeting point. They're a bit peeved about it. Yep. And uh, you have to explain to them why. And uh, anyway, I just think it's just bureaucracy gone mad.
0: I think it's gone quite mad, Robert. We very much appreciate talking to you this morning and we'll try and find out a bit more.
1: Yeah, I just think the council could use their uh, ratepayers' money to uh, better causes.
0: You would think so. And
1: uh, it's like now they've got in their bonnet too, just while you're on the line, they are looking at closing the Leemring Recreation Centre. So that'll um, put out uh, probably three to 4,000 children in the area won't have a a proper recreation facility to go to. So they take the swings out of the tree, then they close the recreation centre eventually. What are the kids supposed to do?
0: Robert, we'll come back to you on that other part of it, but I I appreciate... i like you too Jeff. Yeah, but I really appreciate you articulating it and articulating your frustration so well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Robert Owen lives in Looming. Now, Johnson's still here, and in a moment we'll get on to the response from Melville on this. Um... Uh, This comes from, well, Helen O'Brien is the communications officer. The manager of Parks and Environment, Ian Davis, said any type of swing, cubby house or any other structure attached to the City of Melbourne trees was illegal and should be removed. If the city observes such structures fitted to trees, the procedure will normally be, we'll write to the offending, you're an offender, property owner, resident, advising of the policy. We provide a period of time in which the illegal structure must be removed. If it's not removed... The city will remove it at the owner's expense. Johnson, kiddo, it's like you never left. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Jeff. I really wanted you to stay back for this uh, one. What a tale of suburban lunacy,
2: eh? Well, yes. Well, let's just have a look at the City of Melbourne's form. They, they have a, sw- a swing on a tree on council property, yep. and they're going to write to the offender, i.e. the owner yeah. of the property, <laughs> who are they going to write to? They're going to write to themselves.
0: Yes, so, well it's on the verge, exactly
2: yeah, well, What an exercise in bureaucratic madness that is
0: Now, because it's on the verge,
2: it belongs to council I think they are on the verge of something They are on the verge of something on the verge of a revolution uh,
0: Well they might be though um, This bloke put it up 10 years ago mm. It's been there for a long time Kids have played on it, no one's been hurt on it the other line is, swings and other structures are removed by the city because they damage trees, mm. as if the council cares about that, with the yeah. way they lop them, and are a public safety issue. If someone uses it and hurts themselves, the city is open to liability claims. Now, that's the issue, isn't it?
2: That's, that's the line that's trotted out. Mm. And it's an easy line for a bureaucrat or a local government um, apparatchnik to, to come out with. Mm. But it doesn't hold up to any kind of logical examination. Now, let's just take this apart. Uh, you know, you've got these kids that are out there uh, playing on a swing, probably having some pretty wholesome fun, mucking around in a, <laughs> a good time. Well, you know, there's a little uh, photograph here with a, that came with this news article in the Community News. And, you know, you see lots of happy little faces wearing their, their caps and T-shirts and playing on a tree. Um, so take the swing. Uh, the corollary of that is they end up at a shopping mall um, or going, retreating inside and playing with their Playstations and Xboxes and Wii's and all this other stuff. Uh, The last thing we want is people outside having, you know, wholesome fun outdoors and playing and learning to communicate with each other. Yes. And you've really got to ask, what the hell is local government doing?
0: Well, I wonder the other thing too is, the, the next line is with the and please folks, please respond strongly to this. We want, one, your reaction to the story and two, we want to know in comparison the
2: slightly more
0: dangerous things you might have done in your childhood.
2: But, but here's the thing Jeff, as part of my ethical training I've got to be balanced. Yes oh, so did man, I have to be too. <laughs> no, you're unbalanced Jeff, it's, I'm balanced and this, this, is, this is what the council would probably say, well look, if we so much as set a foot wrong these days, yeah. we've got people lining up to sue us and Mr Kiddo, it's your grubby kind, to yeah. take us to the court and let's look at the way it's going you know that, that poor fellow, Mr Prest who um, was badly injured or he uh, became a quadriplegic I think, body surfing at Cottesloe Ended up suing the council, uh, the mm. c- city of Cottesloe, or town of Cottesloe, uh, for failing to erect signs warning that body surfing could be dangerous. You know, All right, he didn't get very far. He he got a long way, but he ultimately didn't prevail in the courts. But it does show that councils, local government, cities, shires, towns, etc., are becoming increasingly under the scrutiny of the courts to remove avoidable risk. Yes, and you know when they do roadworks and don't placard them, someone has a road accident, bang, they've got a damages claim. And all right, coming out swinging for the council for a minute, um, it's it's likely that the ratepayers will be the first to complain when their rates go up because the council's insurance premiums yep. have gone through the roof because someone has snapped their neck on the offending swing.
0: Very true, and that, and that was very fair and balanced. But what I want to ask you is, the last time we had an issue like this, it was a council and another turgid example, I've got to say, mm. of uh, playing fields, and a group of blokes used to get together and play soccer there, to, uh, casual, yep. not organised, not registered, whatever. But after a period of weeks, someone from the council came around and said, well, now you have to pay for it. Mm. Um, and they said, we just come and have a kick around. They go, no, there's a, leg- there's a liability issue here. That's right. So you have to fill these forms in. You're not allowed to come and have the casual kick.
2: Everything's, everything's regulated. Now,
0: in days. a situation like that, is there is there any grounds for Robert or anyone else or, or the, the council to put a very small but easy to read sign near the tree that says the local council will not be liable for any injury as a result of an accident caused by falling under this tree? Okay. Can it be that simple?
2: Uh, No, disclaimers do have an effect, but they don't provide complete immunity. I mean, if that were the case, you'd get on your rates notice every year, uh, you know, we are, we the the city of Stirling or whatever, disclaim liability of everything that ever happens to you on council property. Now, no one is going to accept that as a, as a waiver. You've got to be a, a lot more specific and a lot more meaningful than that. But really, do we want to live in a world where there's signs everywhere, don't do this, don't do that, You, you know, do it at own risk, we're not responsible, if we're not, we're not there, Etc. Mm. We don't want to live in that world either. There has to be a common sense balance. And in this particular case, I mean, wouldn't it be a good idea to say a uh, defence officer around the tree and say, this swing is a private installation, uh, It may not be safe. Parents are encouraged to supervise their children and to play here at their own risk, etc. There is no insurance for this sort of thing, uh, and the council exclaims or disclaims all liability. Now, you have the problem then. What about some toddler who can't read? He goes there to play on the swing. And Mm. then the council says, all right, well, that means means we need to then have a person there to monitor it. And again, you have this crazy uh, bureaucratic... uh, burden uh, to, to stop the council being sued so yeah the council are stuck between a rock and a hard place yeah i do feel sorry uh, i mean i feel very sorry for the kids whose swing's been removed and poor old robert and his missus who've uh, who used to have the happy sounds of children playing at the front now they get the sound instead of nothing uh, because the council have cut the swing down but surely there's got to be a middle ground and you know what it is it's legislation surely our local government act can be amended to say hey council will not be liable for, this, for the following sort of activities and, you know, private play on private equipment located on council property.
0: Johnson Kiddo, thank you very much for staying back.
2: How easy is that?
0: This is very sensible. We're going to go to calls in a moment. In fact, we're going to go to calls right now. Hello to you, Mark.
3: Yeah, good morning. Good
0: morning, Mark. Now, Mark, we, you know, we've lost perspective. We don't know if these kids are engaging in dangerous activities in that tyre. What did you used to do?
3: Oh, um... When I was in grade seven, I did an assignment on uh, on rifles and and uh, and and weapons, and I and Dad brought in uh, a fully automatic 12 gauge shotgun, uh, a 22 rifle, and a and a fully workable pistol into class, which I did a presentation in front of the the grade 7s and I had ammunition there and I stood up the front of the class with a 12-gauge shotgun and showed them how to load it and, and all the safety ah. features of it.
0: Yeah, brilliant.
3: Um, and uh, I was musing that recently, wondering if my, uh, my son is in about the same age now would get that chance to...
0: Well, to quite to... rightfully, your son would now be pepper-sprayed, taken to the ground <laughs> and institutionalised. Um, and institutionalized. his the as well. Yeah.
3: Um, and Ernie Jekyll, uh, in grade 5, used to drive Thelma Jekyll to school. Um, his, his farm bordered on the, the edge of the town and he had his own vehicle and he, would drive, he was grade six. He would drive to the edge of their property with his little sister in the car yep. and then they'd walk across the road and go to school and then they'd finish school and they'd hop back in the car and drive home again. He would have been probably ten.
0: Yes. <laughs> Mark, thank you very much. Um, some interesting viewpoints, Bill. Who's a, who's a firm, not a firm critic of the program, but he likes to know what we're talking about. The swing is on council property. That is the point. It's another 720 beat-up. I don't think we're talking about beat-ups particularly, Bill, but I think we're asking people what they used to do. Jeff, we had a gang called the Wattle Street Gang. Half a dozen sport mad 10 to 12-year-olds. Two memories we were. We used to climb a tree as high as he could, then jump out. The kid who jumped out of the high spot won. Not one broken bone. We used to go to the zoo and play a game called play a game of spot. We were entertained all all day running around the zoo. Those were the days. Um, Ian's craziest thing was cycling without a helmet. And um, and Jennifer asked, what will happen if kids climb trees with with fences around
2: them? Well, the crazy thing is that councils and shires and towns, if if you go to a modern uh, what, what I call a new speak playground Jeff I and mean, when your youngsters are a bit younger they, they probably went to these things they've got the padded rubber underlays they, they are, are good. really got good. padded rubber underlays and all the, the play equipment is is engineered so that people can't you know, obviously injure themselves mm. but kids are kids yeah, and they will still fall off and they will still horse play and things you can't wrap people in cotton wool all their life you can minimise the risk yeah but you, you're not going to stop people injuring injury.
0: No, this. and the modern playground, as we know, is absolutely fantastic. I actually think it provides brilliant opportunities for mm. kids. But I wonder what kind of options we'll be looking at. There'll be, a slide, there'll be a slide that's on the horizontal. Yes. We'll have monkey bars no more than an inch off the ground that you actually walk on top of yep. for fear of falling. Monkey bars, my goodness. They've been breaking kids' arms for years. Um, Ali, hello.
4: Oh, hi, Jeff. How are you going?
0: Yeah. What do you think about this, Ali? I know Johnson's actually articulated some of the conundrum from the council point of view, but from a common sense, for goodness sake, let the kids play point of view, what do you reckon? Oh,
5: I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I remember when we were kids, I grew up in Morley, actually, and um, we used to build fires in the bush, which was obviously very responsible, and throw bits of asbestos on it to, wait, to, to watch them bang. Yeah. But we did survive, but um, the comment I wanted to make was I went to a, a Maggie Dent workshop last week here in Denmark. Yes. And um, she was saying that uh, we talk about building resilience in children and saying how our kids are so acopic these days because they're not exposed to anything. Like, we don't let them walk home, so they don't have those battles on the streets with the other kids and learn how to, you know, solve problems. And they don't play on playgrounds anymore, so they don't build up all of their their muscles in their arms and all those sorts of things. So...
0: A- Ali, what about this too from Helen? Has anyone considered the connection between controlling every risk yeah. in kids' younger years to the fact that for many, the first time they have unsupervised control is to get behind the wheel of a car? Absolutely,
5: mm. absolutely. Yeah, it's just
0: absurd. Very nice to hear from you, Ali. Thanks, Bye. I want Ali to know that what she's done is not the most dangerous of games. I imagine you would have been.
2: A... Uh, I had the great privilege of growing up in the Great Southern, a marvellous, marvellous town in up Curtining region, and we were very fond of nitropril. Do you know what nitropril is? No. It's <laughs> sorry. I might hang on.
0: Hang on. No, yeah, you start talking. Um, it's, it's, uh, I know it's what I'm going to do.
2: The little balls of urea, little sort of beanbag filling type size balls of uh, uh, ammonium nitrate, and you'd mix that up with diesel, and it was very useful. You know, before you know 9/11 and before the Port Arthur massacre, and that, there were these farmers. I'm not saying my family were part of them, but there you have it when a stump needed to be removed from the ground or really you're bored um, you just mixed up some nitropil and it formed a low grade but quite potent explosive. Could you
0: stop now? Do you know why? Yeah. When you came on nearly an hour ago, I played this.
2: The following segment <laughs> is general in nature and should not be taken as personal, professional advice. Right. Listeners should seek their own independent assessment from a qualified advisor and not rely solely on the general nature <laughs> yeah. of People, information in this program. You've had your fun. Come
0: People on. should ring the city of Melville and say, well, do you mind if I drop my kids off at your place this afternoon? Take round
2: to Johnson's and it'll show them how to mix up some explosives. Uh,
0: Albert says at eight or nine, we used to jug Daggers like the man at the circus, (laughs) and I've still got the scars to prove it. Only one eye. (laughs) Luke, hello.
6: Hello, how are you?
0: Good, thanks, Luke. There's something funny about the conversation, then there's something less funny.
6: Well, yeah, look, um, Johnson, if lawyers didn't want to take up the actual cases, there wouldn't be anything to
5: answer.
2: Yeah, it's not that simple, mate. I'd I'd like to believe that with a case, but if lawyers didn't take up those cudgels, the fact is, we live in a world where People want to blame everyone else for every misfortune that happens to them. And it, you know something? Lawyers are just a little cog in the machine. Absolutely. The fact Agreed. is people would run their own law cases. I mean, look at the world around us. Look at this, the crazy lawsuits. A lot of them emanate from America, but increasingly they're coming from Australia. Look at that one uh, Jeff and I had on the show a few weeks ago where the little uh, fellow fell out of the, fella fell out of the um, bed at sleepover, um, he 's gone, and years later the parents sued for mood changes and behavioural changes in him. I mean, yeah. we're getting to that point of uh, blaming other people and seeking compensation for every injury that befalls us. It's
6: pretty but unfair to great. blame the old lawyers. But uh, what I really rang up for was I just came back from New Zealand with my family, uh, and over there the playgrounds that they have certainly leave me in the belief that we're in a nanny state. Uh, big long slides, flying foxes for up to 200 metres, mm. um, uh, you know the little uh, mouse runs in cages? Yep. They got those for the kids as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, they breed them tough over there. Uh,
6: well, it's just that the kids have a lot more fun on their playground.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, Luke. Thank you. Uh, Bev says, Jeff, I remember holidays at Drummond's Cove in the shack, sliding down the sand dunes on any piece of rusty old corrugated anything we could find. Morning, Jeff. My husband and his mate used to let the big boys pay him sixpence to throw him down the big slope on butler's oval in scarborough they were five years old now that is fun um jack hello to you
4: day. how are you jeff
0: i think you're confirming luke's suspicions aren't you
4: <laughs> it is so bad isn't it i mean i grew up in the 50s in holland and man wasn't it fun total fun because yeah, you know, this is about who is responsible for a child on a street. You know, in those days it was just the parents and the people that lived close by. And the council just did their council thing. R, R, R rates and rubbish and whatever the third R was. That
2: would be roads.
4: Yeah. And, you know, they didn't, you know, this whole liability nonsense legal wrangle that's developed and engulfed us it's just so it's almost like they need to make the profit so they we need to be nice to them
2: Uh, jack jack what do you say about this though the world of holland in the 50s or for that matter perth in the 50s is very different now both parents are often breadwinners we live in this crazy arcadia of economic competition where mum and dad both work Mum and Dad or Mum or Dad or Auntie Mabel or whoever are not there to supervise the kids playing and yep. to say, look, little Jessica, please put down Daddy's bayonet. That's not a toy. That doesn't happen anymore and kids are often left to their own devices and perhaps the council, or let's, not, let's take City of Melville out of it, perhaps the local government generally is doing the right thing to say, we've got to remove avoidable risk here. I mean, you can see their point, can't mm. you? I
4: know, I can. But, you know, we need to have this, we constantly have this unfinished debate on almost every issue. You see that with that art by that um um God what was his name? David Meyer wrote a book about him, the guy who was almost being sued for having an exhibition with um um photos of kids.
0: Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah.
4: it's borders on the same issue here. Australia constantly engages but never finishes in this debate, which always deteriorates into a nanny state
0: exercise. Well, Jack, I tell you what, if, it, um, if the debate finishes, then it's, then it's done with. It does have to be a, an ongoing debate. Um, Kim says, our favourite summer fun was jumping off Blackwall Reach cliffs oh, yes. into the dark water. Yes. Fantastic.
2: That can end in tragedy, too, I I imagine... It has ended in tragedy.
0: I imagine there is a consequence that needs to be considered. Um, Karen, she loved jumping around when she was a kid. She (laughs) absolutely loved it. G'day, Karen.
5: Hello, I did, too.
0: Where did you jump, Karen?
5: I actually grew up in Africa in the 50s, an unnamed country, and we lived opposite a cemetery. It was the best playground in the whole world. It accommodated all kinds of activities for me and my two brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, hide and seek and so on and so forth. But the best part was jumping in that, in Doug Graves.
0: Oh, fantastic! Clambering out. Can you imagine? Yeah, I working on the assumption that everyone you played with did manage to clamber out at any given time. Oh, we had a
5: brother who suffered rather badly at our hands but um, we, we always got him out in the end.
0: I found as a kid being buried alive never did me any harm
2: at all. Karen um, you weren't <laughs> the founder of the goth movement or anything like that.
4: Please. No not sure I'm quite respectable now but I wasn't then <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and I'm still alive.
2: Thanks for the call Karen, Karen
0: thank yes. you very much. Jumping in now to Groves. Between now and midnight I'm perfectly happy for people to uh, come up with the best of the games they played as kids, and I I hope we've created an element of balance about, about some of the difficulties being faced by councils here, but also what is it that we want of councils? And do we want blokes like Robert, who sound like a terrific bloke anyway, to be able to keep an eye on a swing out the front and kids continue to enjoy it? Johnson, it's been brilliant having you here. Let's stand for one more, and this is John. G'day. Oh, hi. Are you John?
5: Yeah, um I'm one of five kids. I mean, we were working, uh, my father was a working uh, guy and uh, mum used to look after kids. But, I mean, with five of us, you didn't have much hope of looking after all of us. But uh, we used to have great fun. I mean, I can remember ging fights. We used to go to the bush and looking for forks that you could tie rubber bands to and a bit of leather and yeah. start shooting each other with gravel
0: rocks and things <laughs> See, like that. See, do you know what, John? <laughs> uh, that's the one, that's one that I now cringe at. I'm, I'm happy enough that we've had to put the ging away. <laughs> um, Don't you think?
5: couldn't all afford bikes, so we used to double up. You'd have one on the handlebars, the other one on the on the on the you know the back and things like that. And uh, we used to have an old wood heater which we uh, threw out. So I put wheels on that, and we used to have hill billy carts coming down the hills, and you know, and just played in the bush. I mean, we made our own amusement. I, I can remember getting a bike for my. It was second hand, of course. No toys. We just used to muck around in the bush and play games, chase each other, whatever. And then when you're old enough, you joined the local police and citizens boys club and became a boxer and things <laughs> like that. I mean,
3: this is the way life went.
0: It was the way life went, but one thing that hasn't changed, I know we do it differently, but fun is still fun. And it's, uh, it might be divine, de- defined by different things or the parameters may seem different, but kids and all of us
7: are still looking
0: for fun. Johnson, thank you very much.
7: Good to be
2: here. Very
0: interesting stuff. What a beauty. Let's have some headlines with Alan. Alan, good morning.
7: Thanks Jeff. Good morning. Authorities are warning Victorians that the threat of major fires remains despite warning rain and cooler than expected temperatures in some areas. No significant new fires have started and the force still burning from previous weeks are within containment lines, but gale force winds are forecast to sweep across Victoria this afternoon and tonight. Police have charged a 32-year-old man in connection with the murder of a man in Armidale. The accused will appear in court this morning. Morning, charged with causing grievous bodily harm. Police found the 33-year-old victim's body in Gribble Avenue earlier yesterday morning after being called to a brawl involving about 20 people. The federal government has scrapped plans to buy the unmanned drone aircraft Global Hawk. The Defence Minister Joel Fitzgibbon says he won't proceed with the plans because of a delay in its delivery schedule until 2015 at the earliest. Mr Fitzgibbon says that would have created incredible workforce pressure and he says it's it's not in Australia's best interests. And a study has found that fire-related injuries are the leading cause of death among young women in India, often involving incidents of domestic abuse. The authors say the proportion of dowry-related violence against women is much higher than official figures and that the deaths are often discussed as accidents. The study published in the Lancet Medical Journal says that 100,000 young women died in fires in a single year. More news at 11, Jeff.
0: Alan, thank you very much. The all odds down 42. So as the day has gone on, the market has steadied or put the brake on the plunge, whichever way you want to look at it. The Nikkei down 173. Gold down overnight to $927.90. Aussie dollar at 63.2 US cents and oil is $40 US a barrel. Gary Bodehoven... I imagine you got up to a bit of shenanigans when you were a young man.
8: Oh, I grew up in (laughs) Manjimap.
0: Need I say more?
8: (laughs) Tough country down there. Because, you
0: know, we've just been talking about the city of Melville um, getting Mm. rid of a swing, uh, Mm. a a tyre swing that was out on a verge. It's Mm. been there for 10 years. Everyone's had a great time playing on it, Mm. but... Oh, such as the fear of litigation and liability.
8: Oh, it's... it's, it's well, oh, well, I, I don't know. recommend that people do a lot of the things we did when we were young. I mean...
0: What was the most dangerous, silly, fun oh. thing you ever did? Oh, or if you not spoken of it publicly because the police could still be interested.
8: <laughs> well, the police were interested in me the other day, but oh, that's another story. Why? Why? Oh, don't get me started on that. I'll revert firstly to Manjima. Yeah. Uh, we used to, uh, oh, I grew up on the farm in Manjimup. We used to go into the bush and make our own bow and arrows and we would shoot, yeah, we would shoot uh, arrows at each other and, uh, you know, it's uh, very easy for uh, one of these arrows to lodge into your body and um, your eyes, your ears or your, you know, yeah. very short. Up, I'll, just,
0: I'll just pin you to a tree trunk
8: oh yeah and uh, I mean we used to go swimming uh, unsupervised uh, we used to do uh, Shanghai's we, we used to call them Gings yeah we, we were uh,
0: the Ging I was just saying they had a caller talking about Gings I had to draw the line at Gings a bit
8: oh no no I mean no. I don't yeah. say what we did was right it's no. it was wrong uh, it was good fun uh, oh, we had a ball and uh, we we survived uh, maybe I should have died t- 30 or 40 years ago But no, I don't think so <laughs> but uh, no yeah, I do believe some of the things we did were wrong, but at the same time, uh, if you do <laughs> these wrong things sensibly, maybe you can get away with them. <laughs>
0: um, I suppose we should leave it there for now. I'm yeah. um, uh, thrilled to hear that there was that, that record-breaking sort of minimum thing the coldest day between what? January the 1st and March the 3rd on record. Coldest <laughs> oh, we've, overnight.
8: We've got a guy downstairs, J.R. John Ralph, who just loves statistics. Yeah. And the, even the sniff of a sort of record, he's, he's right onto it. Yes, the first, it's the coldest, uh, coldest night we've ever had between the 1st of January and the 3rd of March, 7.7. But it's, it's not the coldest uh, March night on record by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, that was only a few years ago, 6.3. On the 27th of March 2007, so uh, not all uh, quite as exciting as we try to make it out to be. <laughs> Jeff,
0: doesn't matter. We often make things more exciting <laughs> than they are. Gary, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, what are we looking at today?
8: Uh, we're looking at. Uh, Yeah, 26 degrees, so uh, in fact there's probably going to be a struggle to get to 26 temperature in the sort of low to mid-20s, fairly cool sort of uh, subtly breezes. Uh, Tomorrow, yes, warmer, 30 degrees, Uh, and then for the next uh, two or three days after that, uh, around the 32, and it probably doesn't really warm up into the mid-30s, I don't think until about Sunday when we're saying 35.
0: Okay, Gary Mm. Budhoven, thank you very much. See you. Gary Budhoven at the Bureau. Now, a couple of things to talk to you about. All this week... Monday to Friday, I'm going to play a car song. Here's a hint. It's not the one I'm about to play. Um, I'm going to play a car song, and you'll be able to win. Every day, we're giving away 20 double passes to Eric Banner's new film, Love the Beast, the story of his 1974 Ford Falcon. It's a fantastic little documentary, and we're having a special night Wednesday of next week at Carousel, I think it is, and we're giving away 100 double passes. We're going to play car songs every day. All you have to do... Is identify the song, leave your name and daytime phone number, and this is the number you have to ring when you hear that car song. One nine hundred, triple nine double two zero. One 220 So between now and midday, I will play a song with the car link, and all you have to do is ring that number one nine hundred, triple nine double two zero, to get your double pass to come along with us next Wednesday for a special preview of the Eric Banner film. Just briefly on this subject that won't go away because it's so kind of hilariously interesting. Dear Jeff, we found an unexploded bomb near Warnborough Primary School in the early 1970s. Of course, it used to be a firing range in World War Two. We carried it home to show mum and neither she nor the bomb squad, who evacuated the neighbourhood before defusing it, were impressed with our show and tell. We thought it was the most exciting thing ever. And we scored big brownie points with our mates at school. That's from Joe. And this from Robert, and of course we don't endorse this. Hi Jeff, we used to take the gunpowder out of fireworks, throw a match on it, and other daft things like that. And if we got hurt, it was our own fault. We've been talking about the uh, tyre the swing outside uh, um, Robert's place in Leeming. And we know that public safety matters to us all, but the council have declared that swing illegal. Shane Silcox is the CEO of the City of Melville and has been kind enough to come on the program. Good morning, to you
5: Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good, thanks.
0: Mr Silcox, Johnson Kiddo, um, our, our lawyer, um, argued the case that councils face a whole lot of legal issues with this kind of thing. But... On the face of it, it didn't look too flash that a swing that had been swinging happily outside Robert's house for 10 years was, without any consultation, being taken down and and for reasons that that might be quite hard to explain to the local kids who like it.
6: Oh, look, um, I'm sure it does seem um, one of those areas that uh, people would sit there and say, what is the local government up to? But I don't like doing it. I'd prefer not to have to do it as a CEO of a local government. But um, people must realise that the public space I'm responsible for and I must make sure that we reduce the risk to all residents and some of those risks are in relation to uh, potential legal cases. Okay. What Melville, Melville, in actual fact, has had a death on one of these.
0: Can you tell me about that situation? Obviously we don't need to know about the people involved because that's a truly desperate situation. Uh, when did that occur?
6: Can't give you the exact details. Um, I'm just aware that, um, that I think the child uh, strangled themselves on, on, on something similar.
0: Okay, but this swing has been there for ten years. So, so did that previous event that we are battling to get a little bit of clarification on? Did was that was that the reason why uh, suddenly this swing was taken out? Because it no, had look, been there be, for ten years.
6: It'd be the same for all local governments. Essentially, once you become aware of the, an issue, you must deal with it. So if you're unaware of it, there's not a lot that you can do about it. But once you become aware of an issue, then you need to deal with it. There's nothing stopping the individual putting the swing on a tree within their own property um, rather than put it out on council property. And you'd have to also say the streetscape, if everyone started putting play equipment out on the streetscape, would would all the citizens be happy with
0: Oh, uh, With respect, Mr Silcox... Uh... Who would be unhappy to see children out on the street playing on nice play equipment? I think that's a um, that would, from to my mind, a rather unfortunate choice of uh, uh, you know. There are worse things that could be happening on our streets rather than kids. Um, well,
6: it's a lot different than when I used to play cricket on the on the street. But I wonder why
0: I wonder why it has to be quite so different. And when we were speaking to to Robert, he spoke about the hotspot task force that came along. The the thing I think that really troubles people is this notion that, that they might understand the legality, because yes, if you know, if my kid was playing on the swing, no, no I'd say if my kid was playing on the swing and broke his arm, that's his own fault. But other people might not not think that. But a hotspot task force goes and investigates the tire swing. It's, it sounds dreadful.
6: Oh, they're, they're his choice of words. Um, Essentially um, I I have no uh, area to to manoeuvre in this. The uh, legal system has become quite onerous on uh, individuals and particularly councils and I must protect what um, are potential risks for all ratepayers. Now at the end of the day it might mean that certain activities that we all once enjoyed are no longer enjoyed, and as but, I said, but you know what, I don't personally th- like doing it, but it's one of those things that you have
0: to do. But the other thing is the community should have a big, long public argument about this to determine whether they're prepared to sacrifice those kind of activities because of litigation areas, or whether, as Johnson-Kiddo said, legislation might need to be changed so we don't bleed the life out of, out of our neighbourhoods. And couldn't that's
6: what the... couldn't agree more with you, Jeff. Okay. Couldn't agree more with you. I believe that there needs to be considerable debate around the legal system and what we determine to be appropriate uh, in all sorts. And the time to do that is obviously with your local members, the politicians that create okay. the legislation and the protections that are there. But
0: all right, Shane. I'm sorry. I'm not. I
2: have to let you go because we're at news time. I'm glad you appreciate that. We'll talk more about this after eleven.